You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. Some of the most exciting innovations happening in finance right now are in the sustainability space. Corporations are chasing some pretty aggressive targets, and the case has always been made that soundly structured incentives are what move the needle towards net zero. Enter sustainability-linked derivatives. On this episode of Market Points, Scotiabank's Harsh Sangvi, Director covering ESG and Environmental Derivative Products, and Eric Kuziak, Director of U.S. Corporate FX Sales, talk about how sustainability-linked derivatives help corporations hedge risk and fight climate change. Harsh, Eric, welcome to the podcast. Well, thanks for having us, Greg. Good to be here. Thanks, Greg. So we've had episodes on Market Points before covering sustainable finance, but this is the first time that we've been talking about uh, sustainable or ESG-linked derivatives. Harsh, is this the next frontier? Certainly. You know, to understand the importance of environmental and sort of the broader sustainability-linked derivatives, let's take a look at how the overall market preferences have changed over the last couple of years. This concept of sustainability has been around for decades, but with the Paris Agreement, with the pandemic, that trend has accelerated, and now we're seeing issuers, investors, and other stakeholders all prioritizing ESG as a core objective for them. So for instance, like let's take the banking sector. Banks have not only pledged trillions of dollars to finance ESG over the next decade, but are also starting to incorporate ESG screening as part of their due diligence in terms of how and who they lend to. We're seeing buy-side firms echo similar sentiments. Uh, recently, BlackRock mentioned that sustainability and net zero will become a core factor in their investment decisions going forward. Take a look at inflows for sustainable-focused ETFs, indices, managed assets, and other products. They have all grown exponentially over the last few years, not just with large institutional money, but also retail money now preferring ESG-focused products versus their traditional benchmarks. And outside of these market-based players, even government entities are taking a closer look. Uh, I mean, just a few weeks ago, the Dutch court ordered Shell, a non-state entity with public shareholders, to cut its carbon emissions by 45% by 2030, citing that the company's current reduction plans were not concrete enough. So as more and more companies begin prioritizing ESG in their investment and strategy decisions, the conversation is also evolving from just financing to financing and mitigating future cash flow volatility on the back of this transition. Again, companies don't want to think about just the financing and be left with a volatile price environment as they begin their journey to becoming more sustainable. And so that's why sustainability-focused suite of derivative and risk management products have become a very topical ask from issuers as they look to seamlessly integrate financing and risk management policies. So Greg, instead of the next frontier, I would almost rather say that this sort of, you know, the derivatives are the natural next step in the evolution for the market uh, and almost a necessary one to get us where we need to in the long run. Corporations are setting some pretty aggressive targets. So what's what are the actual mechanics here? How, how are the sustainability-linked derivatives working to help corporations get to net zero? You know, a lot of the derivative innovation that has happened over the last couple of years uh, is really around two main pillars. One around environmental derivatives. So think about renewables, carbon. And then the second around broader ESG-linked derivatives. Focusing on the E part of ESG, so think about net zero, obviously that has become a very uh, strong and an anchor policy for many. 
and the number of organizations joining this commitment has already doubled in just the last year. For how meaningful this pledge is, it is equally difficult to implement. So to understand the impact of derivatives, let's take a step back and look at the underlying operational factors that are at play here. So thinking about net zero as a starting point, even before a corporation can transition and think about becoming net zero, they have to take a step back and quantify and forecast their greenhouse gas emission footprint, both on a direct and indirect basis. Scope one are direct fossil related emissions. Scope two are indirect emissions associated with purchase of electricity, steaming or cooling. And then scope three are also indirect emissions that are not owned or controlled by the organization, but somehow indirectly impact their value chain. So think about third-party distribution companies or other service providers. This last category is the hardest to quantify, forecast, and eventually mitigate because most global organizations have complex supply chain systems and typically rely on a variety of different service providers. So not only do you have to control what you can as an organization for yourselves, but also what others around you in your, in your I guess, ecosystem and how they manage their uh, emissions as well. So to achieve net zero, Again, emissions from all three categories have to be eliminated on an aggregate basis. An aggregate is the key word here. So if a corporation cannot organically eliminate the emission for part of their operations, they must engage in other activities that displaces a similar amount of emission from the atmosphere. So that again, on an aggregate basis, they can achieve carbon neutrality. So on the back of this, a lot of companies have invested in renewable assets and other carbon offsetting assets. And as companies transition from fossil to other forms of green energy, they still need that cost certainty around this new energy consumption and environmental derivatives and the trading products are gaining popularity because they provide risk management tools for these new markets. When you look at the development of sustainable linked derivatives, there's a similar rationale. Investors want issuers to implement material and real KPI improvement targets across all aspects of how they operate their business. That's why green bonds, broader sustainable link financing typically focuses on a variety of different KPIs, including social and governance aspects, not just environmental factors. What that means is that any derivative from everything from rates, FX, commodities, equities, all have to then account for the same KPIs to match the firm's macro objective with the product-specific risk management. The more we can align same sustainability-focused factors across the capital, risk, and operational structure, the more easily our clients can quantify, forecast, and manage their enterprise-wide risk. So the derivative innovation that we're seeing, uh, and, and even the things that we're working with our clients, is almost a prudent requirement and the catalyst to sort of help this macro transition take place. Eric, can you walk us through a couple of examples? I would imagine the ESG derivatives, though, are uh, very specialized towards client needs. Exactly. Each of these opportunities is going to be highly bespoke and customized to the situation and what's important to that client. There could be a situation where the underlying exposure that's, that the client's looking to hedge is generated from, let's say, a, a sustainability-linked loan that has certain KPIs. And in that case, you would want to have an ESG-linked interest rate swap with the same KPIs in order to make sure it's an effective hedge. So in that case, you do have a, a hedge and a hedged item that both have these uh, ESG KPIs. That isn't going to be the majority of applications for sustainability-linked derivatives. The majority of applications are going to be an ESG-linked derivative replacing a traditional vanilla derivative, which is hedging a traditional market risk. When a corporation evaluates whether they want to use an ESG-linked derivative or a traditional vanilla derivative, 
they're going to have to determine, is there a pricing advantage that, that makes one more feasible over the other? And generally speaking, we're, we're trying to make it so these ESG link solutions always start off with a pricing advantage over the vanilla. But then is, are there other advantages? And Harsh touched on, on some of these, but could there be a more holistic advantage in that ESG link solutions better align the treasury function and the sustainability goals of the business? And I think that's where a lot of treasury managers are going to come out. They're going to say that you know there, there is value in doing this. So an example of a vanilla derivative that is particularly exposed to being replaced by an ESG link solution would be a, a net investment hedge. Now, a net investment hedge, you're hedging your translation risk of an overseas subsidiary. You're protecting the dollar value of this subsidiary's assets, which are denominated in a non-reporting currency. So these are attractive to potentially be um, disrupted by sustainability-linked derivatives because they're longer in tenor, and they also have more lead time until execution. So picture a U.S. company who acquires an overseas operation and as part of its press release, outlines its sustainability goals for the new business. Perhaps they're looking to modernize and reduce emissions. We can now offer a net investment hedge, which specifically incorporates those goals as KPIs, such that the performance of the hedge is now partially determined by their success in achieving those goals. Now there's tangible economic incentive, known day one, to hitting those targets. How is the bank uh, viewing these from the other side? What happens if, uh, if the KPIs are missed? From a fundamental perspective, we want our clients to hit their KPIs, but at the same time, we need to make them challenging. So we work with Scotia's ESG team to structure KPIs that are suitable, challenging, measurable, and verifiable. Now, because they're challenging, there's always going to be the chance that a client misses the mark. And in this case, the bank ends up with a windfall gain on the derivative. So in these situations, the most compelling structures will commit to the bank using those windfall gains in a manner that's consistent with the intentions of what the client was looking to achieve. So we've seen structures where there were bank commitments to use those gains in forestry projects. We've seen structures where they donate to nonprofits or charities. The intention here is for the ESG link solution to have an incremental benefit over a vanilla structure, even when a KPI is missed. Harsh, do you see a future where most plain vanilla derivatives convert over to becoming sustainability-linked derivatives? Absolutely. I think every derivative product is at play and can be part of the action. You know, The way that I like to think about this is that we all have a common direction as to which way we need to point when it comes to sustainability and the broader focus on ESG principles. However, each organization will have to take a bit of a kind of different path on how they get there based on what makes sense for them and their shareholders. You know, We can't take a product-specific approach to solve the puzzle. Instead, it'll have to be a long-term objective-based approach. Uh, and Eric touched upon some of this, right? Given the complexity of this, um, you know, uh, of these structures, given the complexity of what our clients are going through, our view has been that we will have to utilize all of our different product offerings to create bespoke sustainability-focused solutions that holistically connect all facets of advising, financing, risk management, and execution. So along those lines, any product that can help simplify and de-risk the sustainable transition for our clients is a necessary tool in the toolbox to help action that the broader change. And things are changing so quickly. Eric, more innovation in the pipeline? I see the sustainability movement as one about redefining how we evaluate success and incorporate certain values into our everyday lives. So what's the impact on climate? How has the company contributed to the well-being of its users, clients, and workforce? 
Is it a champion for equality? Does the business operate as a good global citizen? Having a sustainability-focused mindset means taking these questions into account during our everyday activities. So as a derivative marketer, this naturally leads to today's conversation about ESG-linked derivatives, but this isn't happening in a vacuum. People are having these conversations across many functions of the bank that haven't traditionally been associated with sustainability. So I think we're going to continue to see new financial products and initiatives arise as more and more people incorporate this sustainability mindset into their day-to-day activities. That was Harsh Sangvi, Director covering ESG and Environmental Derivative Products, and Eric Kuziak, Director of U.S. Corporate FX Sales at Scotiabank. You can now find Scotiabank's Market Points on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Spotify. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And we want to hear from you. Please rate and review us. Your feedback helps us improve the capital markets content we create for you. You can also find more thought-leading content on our website, gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at ScotiabankGBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets. I'm Greg White. Thanks for listening. This communication does not constitute investment advice or any personal recommendation to invest in a financial instrument or investment research. This communication is provided for information and discussion purposes only. An investment decision should not be made solely on the basis of the contents of this communication. It is not to be construed as a solicitation or an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments and has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any recipient. The information in this communication is based on publicly available information, and although it has been compiled or obtained from sources believed to be reliable, such information has not been independently verified and no guarantee, representation, or warranty, express or implied, is made as to its accuracy, completeness, or correctness. Past performance or simulated past performance is not a reliable indicator of future results. Forecasts are not a reliable indicator of future performance. Please refer to our legal disclosures on our website.